Hello and welcome to episode 192 of The Cool Room. Uh, it's your friend David Griffiths here, welcoming you to what should be a really fun online Zoom session that we had, obviously now in podcast version with the team from Chur or Behemoth. Uh, and as you'll hear, there's a bit of a story there as to why they have two names, a story that you'll be able to enjoy with some great beers uh, as we go along. Um, so many things to say, so many big thank yous uh, and especially a big thank you to everyone who's been following us on our social media lately. It's been great to see those numbers going up. Great way of showing your support for the podcast and a great way of making sure that you don't miss out on any of the fun events that we have, whether they be live ones or whether they be online. And we've got heaps of both. Um, look, before we get underway with a little bit of a review of what's coming up, just a reminder that you can grab the beers for this session from our Shopify store. Just Google Cool Room Podcast Shopify. Uh, and in there, you will find six great beers uh, for the price of just $70. Now, look, 70 bucks for six beers, I know is a, you know, not the cheapest six-pack you're ever going to buy, but I was just on having a look at some of the big boys and the prices that they charge for the beers we're going to be discussing. They're $15, $16 each. You know, go to your big online beer suppliers and check them out. So that would be $90 if you were buying it through one of the big cartels. Uh, for us, just $70 and a great way to support the podcast. Great way to have six pretty amazing beers, as you will hear uh, as we discuss today. So really hope you can support us with that. Really hope you can support us with some of our live events. Uh, this looming coming Saturday the 19th, uh, we're going to be gathering together at the Flimken Bowls Club, one of our favourite venues, with the team from Deeds to discuss the journey. Now, the journey is four cans of big barrel-aged stouts. Uh, I'm sure you know them. It's kicking off with Once More Into the Fray and then the rest of that series. A really exciting opportunity on Deeds' 11th birthday to join with them here out in the northwestern suburbs of Melbourne uh, and to make the most of the opportunity to sit down with the brewer and talk about the kinds of beers that are in that pack. And look, exciting to say at the beginning of the episode today, episode 192, that means we're getting closer and closer and closer towards episode 200. Uh, it'll be five years of podcasting, 200 episodes. Uh, check out our Facebook page to find out which Melbourne brewery we're going to be holding a very special event at, one of our firm favourites. Uh, join up and come along and keep up to date with the beers that they're going to have ready for that night. It's going to be pretty magic. Uh, and we've got two online events coming up as well. The next of our online events is with Bowden Brewing. Uh, that's going to be on August the 17th, Thursday night. Join us on Zoom or the details again on our Facebook. Uh, and then you can also join us uh, live in September. We're already lining up the September breweries with Seeker. Uh, they've got a really interesting story and some great beers. Can't wait to get into those. Look, can't wait to share with you the stories that we've got in the podcast. I'm going to throw over to my good friend, Mr. Warren Wu, to kick us off with the podcast proper. <laughs> We are joined by Andrew Charles, live from a car somewhere in New Zealand. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, currently in a car park um, outside the beer spot Whangaparoa, uh, which is about an hour north of Auckland, um, having just done another beer tasting. Um, and this will be coming to you live from on the road back to my house in Mount Eden, Auckland. Um, I've already 
drunk my beers before you got here. Um, and uh, maybe in the last kind of third of this, I will have another. Excellent. Well, we look forward to, uh, to uh, an excellent tasting of some fantastic beers, a bit of travel show as well rolled in there. Uh, Behemoth Brewing, just fantastic to have some excellent beers. We've got six of them uh, in our tasting pack this, mu- this month. And I think I am right in saying that according to the powers that be, we're going to be kicking off with the Harry and William then into the Hoprakai and then into the super special fr- fancy Rewaka, as we would say here in Melbourne. And um, we're going to give you a little bit of an opportunity if you're listening to the podcast version or you're joining us live in the Zoom room. We'll let you know when we're moving from one beer to another so that you can pace yourself successfully. My good friend, Mr Warren Wu... Mr. Warren Wu, you're here in the room as well. You're not in a car. You appear to be in a house with walls and plaster mm. and paintings up. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, David. How are you? Excellently well. I've just been down at Leanne's at Pinnock Beer and Wine, where we're going to be all gathering tomorrow night for our tasting of the co-conspirators hostess to celebrate her five-year anniversary. Are you joining us down there, mate? Uh, I'll be there early to to have a couple and say hello at, um, at then I have to disappear because um, my wife is already locked in Friday nights um, <laughs> which not only means I miss out on on, try, on, on spending the night down at Pinnock Beer and Wine also means I miss the cats versus the pies which is go the, massive go the mighty cats it's well it's um, good I think it's really important that we, we stick our, our version of football that we talk about tonight is AFL. We go nowhere oh, yes. near rugby union because, you know, there was, there was half there where I got excited. And um, let's and just leave that out. They're very close. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, and being at the M, like it was amazing being at the MCG, but there were definitely more Kiwis who were interested in the game in the stands than there were. Aussies. Makes sense. Yeah. And... Oh, sorry, Andrew? I was saying, I was, you know, I was saying, I was saying St Kilda's out in force, but that's probably maybe Collingwood is out in force. Wherever most of the Kiwis in Melbourne are these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should get on to the more important thing. Um, Andrew, yeah. tell us about... Oh, no, so we... we listeners can go back to episode 70, I believe, Wow, that was a long time ago. It was wow. uh, November 2020 is the last time we spoke to you, or the first time we spoke to you. But since then, um, yeah, lots of fun things must have happened. But let's talk about um, let's talk about Behemoth Brewing to our Australian listeners and our international listeners who might not have come across you before. Yeah. And, well, yeah, we've been, we turned 10 years old this month. Um I think we've made more unique beers than, than, than anyone in the Southern Hemisphere, I think, at this point. Yeah. Uh, pretty <clears throat> coming up to close to 700. Um, and 95% of those have been packaged, so not just kick only releases and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. uh, keeps us pretty busy. We have just opened our third pub. Um, we've got two in Wellington. No, we opened one in, in, two, two, in Christ, uh, two in Auckland, and we just opened our first one in Wellington two weeks ago. Um, and we're opening another one in, in Auckland as kind of a beer and pizza kind of concept that we're opening later in the year. Um, we used to be contract brewers, and now we've, uh, we've we had our 
I think we had our first brew a month before we talked last, so we kicked off in October 2020, and we caught up last <clears> November 20. Um, we have just upgraded to double the capacity um, of that brewery. Um, we got our trademark back in Australia uh, for Behemoth. Nice. We did Chur Brewing. We were drinking some Chur Brewing cans. Um, they're the last in existence collector's items. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a, I thought that might be the case. And all in Behemoth, uh, Behemoth cans now. Um, we've raised capital a few times to be able to do all this cool stuff. Um, we just won Champion Medium Brewery of New Zealand for the second time. I'm actually giving away the whole show in one thing. So I'm going to yeah, that's exactly that. right, but... I have nothing else to talk about after this. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident. I'm quite confident after it. <laughs> you'll find something to talk about. <laughs> Anyway, I'll, I'll finish that sentence, and we just won Champion Medium Brewery of New Zealand yes. uh, for the second running. Congratulations. For the weekend, um, and as, and as well as Champion International Medium Brewery at the AIBAs in Australia earlier this year, which was super awesome. That is a brilliant well, list. And, I think and if worse comes to worse than you drop out on this call, then we've basically got everything we need now. We've got all the content <laughs> we need. So, you know. <laughs> Um, so all those venues, do they have an aesthetic? What's it like when they walk into a into yeah. a um, behemoth? Our, our home base and where the brewery is is Chirley's, because um, the name of our character is Chirley. Chirley's mm. of an eatery on Mount Eden, uh, on Dominion Road in Mount Eden in Auckland, uh, quite central Auckland. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Auckland's like the biggest city in New Zealand. A third of New Zealand's population lives here. Um, and yeah, um, it's uh, and then it's kind of an industrial chic that building because it's an old muffle um, shop, um, and run open by Ellen and Colleen Wolf. And um, Ellen Wolf, our landlord, just passed away a couple of weeks ago, sadly, in, um, tender age of ninety-two. And up until about six months ago, he was still out there without us asking, pulling weeds and what have you. He's just he was an amazing guy, really amazing guy. Um, so we still kept a lot of the aesthetics of like the old warehouse. And like taken out unconsented mezzanine floors and turned them into our bar and our back bar and um, yeah we've you know brewery we've taken over the three buildings we've just started our dedicated packaging hall next door and then we've got a storage facility next door to that another building next door to that which we decided to sublease because we probably didn't need it but we want it in the next couple of years so short sublease to be able to uh, use it when we need it shortly um, and then we have another little bar which is kind of like a bar inside of a high-end food court. Um, and because food is, um, you know, as anyone knows, is quite um, a pain in the ass, really. We love doing it, but it's, um, it's, it's, and uh, so we just do the beer and, and, and other beverage side of things. And then our bar in Wellington, it's a bit fancy. It's actually part of a big development, um, which is like 12 eateries around us. And then Arch, um, you'll know in Australia, Archie Bros and Holy Moly is in that complex as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like food and drink and play all at the same time. Um, it opened up two weeks ago, and we heard that it's the biggest weekend that Archie Bros and Holy Moly's ever had, including all of their sites in Australia. Wow, so, you're right. Pretty incredible stuff. Yeah. Uh, food, drink, arcade games, mini golf, bowling. It's it's a good time. <laughs> it's a very good time. Yeah. So. And then we're opening our fourth place, which is going to be a pizza beer venue, um, pizza and beer concept uh, in Auckland. And then we are actively looking for a brew pub in Melbourne. So, well, there's well, our scoop. Go. That's a bit early to go. <laughs> oh, we're not here to fuck spiders. So, 
Fornicate <laughs> with the arachnids, as we like to say. Yeah, so, so you know, normally we have to wait till much later in the night, but now if the phone call does drop out, we've really, really got the scoop as well as all of the basics. So we've just done a beer tasting, and I've already had a couple, so it's all it's all, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So, are, are you? I mean, and again, obviously you can't tell us everything, but are there particular parts of Melbourne that you're looking? Is there a particular size that you're looking at? Sort of, what's that process like? Because people are fascinated by how those things work. Yeah, we definitely, we've got an idea in mind and we're open and we're kind of actively looking, um, but um, I don't want to say too much because, yes, you know. That's fair enough. But um, there are definitely a handful of locations that I think are good. I've been to, I've actually been to Melbourne more times this year than I've been to one of our pubs. So, um, we, I've been five times to Melbourne and twice to Sydney this year. Um, we've started distribution, with, so we've got a sales guy in Melbourne that looks after Vic and SA. You do, uh, and then we've got distributors in everywhere else: WA, uh, WA, Queensland, um, Tassie, um, and um, yeah, Northern Territories doesn't get anything, unfortunately. But um, it's, it's it's pretty much yeah, we've kind of hit the ground running, and we've got a deal with Coles that will be in pretty much all Coles stores later this month, which will be with Brain Smiles, our Gabs Hollis 100 Kiwi Beers number one beer, Brain Smiles Hazy Pale Ale will be nationwide around Australia, which very exciting. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, very good. No wonder you needed a bit of brewing capacity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, to be fair, we, um, we are brewing. We, we, all the beers here, we're shipping over our one-offs um, from New Zealand, but we are, we are brewing our couple of core-range beers with our very good mates at Hawkers for Australia. Oh, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy old Marson, yep. Everyone's person that they either love or hate or love to hate or just like giving a hard time to. Well, he was he was very good value recently in the black box tastings here in the cool room. Go back and check them out. You've done that. You give me a good opportunity to remind people to go back and check out our archives, not just for our interviews with you, but with so many other people, including Maz. It was um, it was a ripper night, and we um, we visited there last year. Warren, we mm. must set that up again for our sort of Christmassy visit. So yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's always a good time when Maz is around. Um, we should talk about your beers, though, Andrew. Oh, so he was the keynote speaker at the New Zealand um, Brewers Conference uh, last weekend, and he was very good value. Oh, good. Yes. And it can always go both. No, no, generally, Maz is always a good speaker, so it doesn't go... It, it can, it, it, if it goes either way, it's still really funny. <laughs> well put. That's, that's very well put, brother. Um, what have we got in the glass? <laughs> yeah, what have we got in that glass? We got... It's a royal hazy IPA. We've got three hazies tonight, which is great because we're just in the mood for it. Um, tell us, tell us about the 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 Harry and William hazy IPA, Andrew. What is all this about? So we do a series called Hot Buddies, um, and if someone can remind me on the on on the can which number in the series this is, I can't quite remember. Off the top I think I'm thirty-two. Sorry, thirty-four. 34, I was going from memory. I'm pretty happy I got close as I did. So I'll kind of, um, and my wife would be in the car. She's pouring um, coffee-infused barley wines for someone at the pub um, right outside the car right now. Um, Go hard, go early. We did a while (laughs) during COVID. Um, They, so we we did, uh, 
That's Barley Wine is Life, isn't it? I love that as a short for Barley Wine is Life. That's awesome. <laughs> um, that's why I love Australia. Um, yeah, so we um, started doing these. We've done quite a few different series of beers um, and, and hazy IPAs and stuff like that. But this is one that was, before we started in hazy, we did this series called Hot Buddies, which was actually a clear IPA. Um, and it was keg only, very, very small batch. And it was like Hot Buddies, Rewalker and mosaic or whatever it was uh, at the mm-hmm. time um and then we started doing cans and and we you know we didn't start the fire with hazies but we made the second ever hazy the first ever hazy six pack in new zealand and um there's been no giving back ever since so but i was just going to do the same thing in cans just name it name the hops but people don't get confused like oh, i've already tried that one i haven't mm-hmm. my wife's idea was uh, and my wife and co-CEO's idea was once you do like different couples and like people who are buddies or ironically not buddy, buddies as the case may be with <laughs> Harry, um, or currently not buddies um, and and do it like that. And that way people won't get confused about what it is and they'll know it by the characters. Um, and we've done that. I think we've probably done a few since then. So we're probably up to like 37, 38. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're never going to run out. We're never going to run out because yeah. sometimes you don't even have to do buddies. You could do polar opposites and like explain why they're not buddies. Um, and that's Hannah right now, just getting into the car. Hi. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Tell how you created the Hot Buddy series. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did you get your you shouldering? No, I'm fine. <laughs> she just got into the car. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no. So uh, I, I tell that willingly. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to take all the glory on that one. But it's been a great series. We've done heaps of cool stuff with it. Uh, and we've got pretty random with it. We've just done, like, Hot Buddies, Puppies and Kittens. And we've done all sorts of, like, just lots of crazy stuff over the years. Um, we did, like, a, a, a Will and Chris, a Will Smith and Chris Rock one. We did. Oh, yes, nice. <laughs> we've, done heaps of, we've done heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps. And do you have a favourite? Like, Will Smith and, and Chris Rock would be up there, but do you have a favourite? <laughs> Um, oh, we went through like all the friends people's. We've done like a lot of the Simpsons ones. Um, oh, yeah. um, yeah, we've done heaps. We've just about to do um, Kirk and Spock. Um, yeah, yeah load of a load of different ones that are um, a bit of fun. And it's just always we we're very pop culture heavy. Um, we always like um, yeah, we always just like playing with different things. And the good thing about pop culture, we're like, are you going to run out? Like, well, the whole definition of pop culture is you don't run out. It always evolves and always changes. Mm. Now, um, I feel like we've sort of got to explain something here. This all makes sense to those of us that are in the Zoom room. But if you're listening to the podcast and trying to figure out why you're fl- tasting a Chris Rock and Will Smith flavour beer or something like that. So there's, there's two elements to what's going on in the experience here, isn't there? There's the fact that we've got these two hops in the can and then we've got the fact that the can art looks amazing and represents the concept of to humans, in this case, um, mm-hmm. who may or may not be buddies. So, who may or may not have the same same um, father. Father, that's absolutely... <laughs> We're waiting for the DNA test on this beer. Um, but, yeah, we, definitely the whole point was to see how the two hops play together and and quite distinctly whether they work well together or not. And they kind of, like, um, you know, everyone who drinks it comes on the same journey as we did, and it's, it's a really good R and D tool for for the brewery to see which mm. hop you like. That may or may not make it into a core beer one day, or something like that. So, really fun experimentation. 
And, and what um, have you learned out of it? Like, mm. we've been asking brewers a, a lot lately of, you know, now that you taste the beer in the can or now that you obviously when you taste it coming out then, you know, was there something you would have tweaked in retrospect? Um, you know, not that it's not delicious, but everyone learns from every experience they have. So this one's Nilsen, Stoven and Galaxy, and they're both quite big, bold, fresh hops that quite fight each other. I think they're like each of our New Zealand and Australia's um, hops that's like the most aggressive that we have. Um, so that would be, and so that was Harry and William with the fighting and stuff was quite poignant, I think, um, mm. for the particular beer. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I've, I've learned that most things go with Citra and Mosaic, no surprise there. Um, and that um, American hops are probably the best with marrying for non-American hops. Um, Galaxy, Galaxy does usually need something softer to go with. Nelson Stoven usually needs something softer to go with. Um, I mean, like fingerprints, we've done so many and we still have so many to go, but like, um, I'm not going to lie, I kind of already have an idea. We've, I've been doing you know, this for 10 years. And apart from like new, new hops, I have always have an idea about how hops will play together, but you never quite know until you do it. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting call. That's a really good call. Um, is the is the kind of the nature of these two hops why why they're d described as royal hops on um, yeah on the can? Well, I just there, but I think just because they are the most popular hops in each country. Like they are yeah. galaxy. I don't know what proportion of like the hop harvest is galaxy from Australia, but it's got to be pretty high. And same with Nelson Sober. Like they are the sexy hops from both countries. And flavour-wise, for people who are tasting this right now, what are each of them bringing to the party? So Nelson Sober or Nelson's, if you're from America, um, is you're kind of your dank gooseberry tropical. Um, Depends on how you use it. Sometimes if it's not harvested properly, you can get a lot of garlic onion, um, which we use Clayton hops, which we haven't had that issue because they're awesome. Um, and and then Galaxy, your classic kind of like ripe, overripe pineapple. Um, and the same with Galaxy is loved and hated by a lot of people because there are some crops of Galaxy that I'm not going to lie are just terrible. Uh, but we've managed to get some pretty good stuff that has more of that big, juicy, pineapple, um, passion fruit character. So when you've, when you come up with a, this concept, like for a concept like this, how, how much lead time does the, the design team get to come up with a new label? Like with so many different, and the, I suppose this, this does go broader given that you produce 700 different beers, but how much, time do those guys get to, to just kind of whip up something especially when you have an iconic character as, the, uh, as you guys do oh my man Nick he, so we have a full time graphic designer mm -hmm. uh, he is awesome he's working remotely from Japan at the moment with his Japanese wife um, and he just yeah he will whip I would say that 24 hours um, is what he would take to do a label usually um maybe 36 if it's something that takes a bit a little bit more um our old designers would take a week to do this and we were always frustrated when we we're doing so much would take so long but mm -hmm. the quality of ours is infinitely better than it used to be if you look i look back at some of our older labels and cringe a bit um and the quality's better and he does it in a, in a quicker time frame so we can we can 
brew a beer and not design the label for a week and a half afterwards and still meet the time frame. Yeah, right. Yeah. I find that kind of thing fascinating just to, you know, because people don't necessarily realise out in, you know, bottle shop land when they're picking up a can, all the different bits of the process that have got to arrive at the same point in time for something to be successful. That's... Yeah. Um, Organised slash unorganised chaos in Behemoth World, um, depending on the day. I I love the fact he's is working from remotely from Japan too. Like it's yeah, great to hear. Pretty sweet. Yeah, but like and as long as you get the get the job done, then it's kind of cool. Yeah, whatever, whatever makes you happy. As long as you if it helps you do better work, then. Oh, the thing is, like, yeah, he, he had a bit, you know, a bit of a family emergency. He'd need to be there with his wife, and we were like, you know, he, we know you're going to get the job done. He's committed. He's hardworking, and just mm. an awesome dude. So, yeah, we we were just like, we know you can get it done, and we know you will get it done. So you know, do what you need to do. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, I'm probably in the same space that you are, Mister Warren Wu. Thinking part of what's going to be fun about this is having you know, not just hazy IPAs, but some of the same hops up alongside each other. So just to sort of flag with people that we're probably not a million miles away from moving uh, from the Harry and William over to the Hoprakai and organised people with two glasses uh, can have them alongside each other and experience what's both the same and what's different about those uh, two beers. So is that where you were going, Mr Wu? Yeah, I think I was going along those lines. Um... Yeah, I suppose. And that really points to the fact that I don't have two glasses at the moment. And, Mr Wu, I'm going to let you take care of that while I make the 15-second dash to my glass cabinet for the opportunity to have these two beers alongside each other. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to let share with the world how disorganised I am tonight. Um, which often happens when you visit uh, Pin Oak Beer and Wine. Uh, yeah, hello, Leanne. If you're listening. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, Hoprakai. Hoprakai. I love Hoprakai. Um, so, where's the, what's, the, what's the first thing we notice when we, we, we try? What, like, what is this? Where are we going? What are we doing? So, the difference in this beer is we just, we put different proportions. It was like, I, I think the Harry and William was the two to one um, so uh, to Galaxy, Galaxy and then the other. Uh, and then I think in Hoprakai we put a little bit of, um, we actually put a little bit of citra hop oil in there to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, okay. And we've played, been playing with hop oils a lot. Um, I think big breweries might use hop oils instead of hops and it tastes terrible because mm. there's no replacing hops. But adds a real, a nice different dimension, flavour and intensity dimension Um uh, with adding hot oils instead of it. And, you know, um, we haven't got it here. We just one of the numerous awards that we won over the weekend at the Brewers Guild Awards was um, for uh, Clayton Fucking Hops, which is our hop provider of New Zealand hops here. Um, we won champion New Zealand styles with that, but then we won golds with a Rewaka hop oil edition and an El Soven hop oil edition. Um, and then won a gold in that same category with... Um, um, you just gone the wrong way. Um, sorry, we just gone the wrong We're way. We're taking the scenic route. Like, oh, okay. Awesome! This is terrific. We are getting it. We're <laughs> turning into a trip. This is the route that will get us. Sorry. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been... Um, so th those hot wheel stuff are really interesting to play with um, and bring lots of different flavour into your cities. If, if you're anything like me and you envisage using hot wheels, all I can see, all I, in my head is like it's a stock, so it's like a slick of oil bubbling on the top of uh, your liquid. How yeah, do you use hot oils? How do, I don't understand. I just don't get it. Uh, we, we use um, water-soluble ones, so they, they mix in quite well. Okay. Um, and when we're talking about it, these things are so intense that we use 60 mils per 1,000 litres. Wow. wow. Use 70 mils, it's way too over the top and doesn't taste very good. That's incredible. Like, that's so concentrated. Yeah, but in, like, yeah. I won't tell you how much this stuff costs a litre, but it's, 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 it's pretty insane. But that's why you don't have to use too much. It's, it, it lets us not go bankrupt, so that's good. And, and how do they actually process it to make it in the first place? Like, I sort of understand on one level, you know, how you would concentrate the oils it's and so forth, but that's it's so it's powerful. It's like um, lavender oil and stuff like that. Okay, so we're essential oil made out of a hop. Pretty much, pretty much an essential oil. Okay. Wow. And as Mug says in the chat in the cool room that he realises it would have been a good idea not to lick the spoon when you're using it. So. <laughs> I would not recommend that if you want to taste something for the rest of the week. <laughs> the, um, cool. <laughs> so this is a very, look, this is a very drinkable beer. I mean, tell us when we're going out to the venues that you have and so forth, you know, do we sort of see this similar lineup? What kinds of things would we normally be tasting? Because so many of the beers that we've got, you know, because I love your hazy IPAs, are hazy IPAs in this tasting pack. Um, we have a really good mix. And we probably, like, so Chirley's, we have 24 taps. And I would say that we're probably, there might be between four and six hazy IPAs. There might be between four and six West Coast IPAs. Um, a bunch of stouts, including a lot of Imperial stouts. Kettle Sours, we brew Ballast Point under licence for New Zealand, so you'll see some Sculpins, uh, you'll see some bourbon, uh, you'll see some crazy barrel-aged stuff from both ourselves and from Ballast Point. Um, if the, the, our, the first cans of barrel-aged Ballast Point have just landed in Australia this week, um, like 20 cases per for the whole country. So if you are lucky enough to get your hands on one, I hope you enjoy, but uh, there's a good chance you won't be because we sent over fuck all. <laughs> Wow. Um, so we'll probably smooth. And then our other bars, is on, our other bars are only, one's only six taps and one's 12 at the moment. Um, and I think the new one that we're opening up later in the year is going to be like 15. Um, but yeah, it's a good cross variety like of, of styles. Like, um, and whenever I, I get the chance, I like to chuck in something that sells terribly, like a, a beautiful brown ale or an amber ale or a saison. All the, the styles that brewers love and, unfortunately, most people just don't buy. Because I've got to say, I do remember having in the past, like, browns and uh, ambers and things from you, and they're just magnificent. So that's part of why I wanted to ask the question about whether you're still making them. And I guess a bit of a question about where you see sort of the future of the beer market, both in New, uh, New Zealand and Australia, whether you sort of see any of those styles making a resurgence or is, is the hop train, the hazy train, running on? I mean, it's still running hot. I think that, I think it's probably plateaued, but it's plateaued at a really high spot. Per head of population, New Zealand drinks a shitload more hazies than Australia does, like a lot more hazies than Australia does. Um, and 
you know, the biggest selling craft beers in New Zealand are all hazies. Um, there's no getting away from that. Um, I was I neglected to say um, lagers. Um, we have a beer called Halfway Down Rice Lager, and we picked up our second gold medal two years in a row. Um, and there's we are the most proud of that beer because there is nowhere to hide in a rice lager. Mm. If you've got, you're going to spot it a mile away. And so, winning back-to-back gold medals for that, we're really proud of that because that shows like the true character of a good brewer being able to brew a style like that so well. That's that, yeah, that's terrific, and it's really great to hear that you're you're still you're still brewing my style. It's it's like for all of the other different things that you do, it's terrific, but that you're still going out there and, and doing different things. Uh, I wanted to go back to the hop. I was, I was going to come back to the, the wonderful work you're doing with hops. Um, is there anything that you haven't, any hop varieties which you haven't tried that you want to get your hands on? Is there anything in terms of that experimentation and that development that you guys want to do that you haven't quite gotten to yet? Um, so there's this thing that New Zealand hops who is not the main hop provider that we use. We usually use Clayton. It's called the Bract Program, um, which is a bunch of experimental hops. Mm. And we just haven't had capacity to do much of that, but we will kind of in the coming months. Um, our bar in Wellington is going through kegs so fast that we're starting to create beers just for that one pub, um, which is awesome. Wow. Uh, they just go through hazies. Like our biggest selling beers in, or per, per style in Auckland um, is the lagers um, because, you know, everyone non-craft people drink lagers, etc. Wellington, they've just gone nuts for hazy, so we're going to like create a brand new 4% session hazy for them um, because they they love it. Uh, they love it, but, you know, hopefully they'll stick around and drink a few more. Uh, new Zealand's craft average ABVs is much higher than Australia, mm. um, and only because you guys like to drink so much and probably can't be trusted with higher ABVs as much as New Zealanders can. Um, so... Um, but also, it's much harder. Notice that Warren and I aren't responding to that comment. We're not taking. You know, we're not. Well, no, I. Or I'll go the other way and just say it's the Queensland. They're all. They're all drinking mid strength. The rest of us all drink. I think Queensland's got bloody hot up there. And yeah, no it is bloody hot there. I can't blame them. I'd do the same thing. But you know, there is a reason. Oh. But no one's. No one goes. No one moves to Melbourne for the for the weather. So um, it's not. It's not Melbourne. We're blaming on that. So. Very true. Very true. Although it was, it's been a wonderful couple of days. Um, <clears throat> Can I follow up on that? I guess with that question about when you're dealing with some of those experimental hops, you know, in, indulge the hop nerds here, of which there are many, both in the Zoom room and in the podcast. How does that process work? Do you get to go out and see them growing? Do you get a bit of an idea about what you're dealing with, or do you just receive them in a bag? I mean. This kind of stuff excites beer nerds so much. Um, so we do selection both in New Zealand with Clayton Hops, um, and we do selection in Yakima, Washington. For um, so we're the biggest user of Mosaic Hops in New Zealand, and right up there with Citra and some other varieties. But um, yeah, we definitely get out and we sniff, and we have been used as kind of like the trial for some New Zealand hop growers to to play around and give feedback on some of their hops, which is always really fun. Um, like, I think we, we did a hop writing, and it was called Name This Hop, um, and the guys were, like, going out there and getting some feedback on the hop and, like, helping, trying to help name it. Um, 
also like New Zealand hops are starting to get um, Clayton hops are starting to get into um, the cryo esque stuff. So there's like lots of like investment in technology and hops in New Zealand that's really exciting. Um, yeah, and then the, on the American side, that I get to play with some brand new American varieties um, because of how closely we work with um, YTH hops, Yakima Chief hops in, in Yakima, Washington. So yeah, definitely we're always look on the lookout for something new, but. I have found that nothing has beat, nothing has consistently been better than the things that have been out for a while. Like, I haven't found a hop that's better than Mosaic. Like, I can find something that's fun and different and new and exciting, but nowhere near consistently as good. And even things like Nectaron and Superdelic in New Zealand mm. are not as good as the Nelson Sovens and the Rewalkers and Mochawekas of the world. I'm look, always looking for the next new thing, and we always love um, playing with it. You guys are just screaming out New Zealand TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not against it. There, are, I grew up in Wellington and I've been to the bar that we once, I had a lot, spent a lot of time at the bar that's in, um, what lies in, we lies in, what lies in the shadows. Um, and yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I love playing around, but I'm always after the next big thing. But, you know, I, I, I would, I'd love it if someday someone released a, a, a hop that was better than Mosaic, but I've yet to see it. I find that really fascinating because, as you say, and look, you know, we all know that the craft beer market, you know, everyone wants the next new thing. And, you know, every season or so we see outrageous, you know, new fun beers uh, and new fun hops. And yet, clearly, the core of the business is, you know, on the hops that you can guarantee if you buy them, you're going to be able to make beer that you can sell out of them. And I guess there's that that reality of the system as well, isn't there? Mm. You can't, there's no point in spending enormous amounts of money on things that aren't going to make a beer that you can sell. It's not even just that they sell, it's just how generic, like how good they are because some of them are polarized, like Sabro. People love or hate Sabro. And we use, I think we're doing a keg only, 100% Sabro beer, but that's going to be really divisive. But but that those kind of hops, a lot of hops work really well blended in with other things. Um, Nectaron, Superdelic are good blending hops, and they're, they're new, but single hops, I don't think they're fantastic. Um, yeah, so it's... it's, it's and, and, and to be fair, most hops shouldn't be single hops. It's a good yeah. way to see what... Like, most beers are better with a hop combination than a single hop. I, I love the fact that someone in the chat room, I'm not going to name names, someone has gone with the uh, Sabro is Life uh, little... No, that's what it is. I'm seeing that as Sabro is life, and I can't think of a tattoo that is more likely to get you into a fight <laughs> in a pub, particularly a craft beer the venue. The reaction to Sabro, um, I was kind of a little bit surprised because, you know, I'll just I'll drink whatever, but it was the same as me discussing, like, Prince William's heritage. It's like everyone's, like, shaking their head. I don't get it. Everyone knows what it is. It's everyone... an intense... I mean, it could be worse. It could be some Rachies. So, <laughs> well, I'm interpreting that as Sabro is life, and I'm looking forward to some of our members uh, getting that T-shirt really soon. Mm. I say mem- some of our friends getting that really, really soon. Um, Mr. Wu, do you want to like? We've sort of gone Sabre gangbusters here. Soup. Oh, soup. Oh, there it is. <laughs> just, um, but I feel like we, you know, for people who haven't gone back and listened to the previous episodes. You know, we need to capture a bit of Andrew's should, story yeah. here about, yeah. you know, how it is, you know, we're talking about this point in time where there's all of these venues springing up everywhere, all of these awards coming in, 
all of these, you know, changes happening about, you know, beer coming back to Australia and so forth. But that is the end point of a 10-year story. Mr Wu, do you want to wind us back to the beginning of that and sort of get some of those, the origin story back? You're asking my origin story? No, I'm not. Andrew's origin story? Yes, (laughs) yes, I am. I I know your origin story. I don't need to hear Um, it. Andrew used to be a lawyer, didn't he? Reformed lawyer. Got honest to start making beer for a living. Nice. That sounds like a good place to start. Did you homebrew when you were while you were studying torts? Did you? How does that come about? So, well, um, yeah, I, 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 my one of my best friends, um, a, one New Year's Eve, I I got everyone to give me a New Year's resolution, um, which is a weird thing to do, and and I think one of the few ones that I I did was to start homebrewing because I knew I always wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was brewing in my kitchen at the top of Cuber Street in Wellington um, while I was in legal policy for ACC, New Zealand's Accident um, Compensation Corporation, which is our national accident insurance. Um, and within nine months, uh, I was in the process of quitting my job um, and going to work in a brew pub. And I just caught the bug and I was like spending every waking minute um, I'm probably at work, and I wouldn't say I was particularly good at my job back then because I was a bit distracted with home brewing. Um, and then went to work at a brew pub, um, Hawker Brewer in Wellington, and um, they couldn't brew for the first nine months because they'd built it on a not the ground floor. And this was after the Christchurch earthquake and everything, and they had to redo the flooring, and it was a whole thing. Um, and yeah, and got headhunted. Um, to be the beer man. I won this big um, homebrewing competition called Wellington and a Pint, and it was like four homebrewers who won this competition would be paired with four commercial brewers to re- release a beer. So we released a beer called the Celia Wade Brown Ale, which is named after the mayor of Wellington at the time. It's a coffee brown ale. Wellington is a very, like Melbourne, a very coffee-centric city. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, but like unlike all the other homebrewers, they did it for shits and gigs. Um, I knew that this is how I wanted to, to start my my brewing company up, um, and that's what we did. We we contract brewed in Christchurch. Lots of things happened. Uh, we brewed beer, you know, brewed for pay, brewed, uh, paid for a batch of beer, waited to get paid a long time, brewed another one, and after a while we got a little bit of investment on board and started to be able to bit more full time. After a couple of years, I think maybe three years, I paid myself for the first time after uh, living off credit cards and stuff for, for a long time. And then uh, cut to four years after that, we, we opened a brewery uh, in Mount Eden, um, which has just doubled in capacity. Um, we went from you know, one-man band to three years ago, we were eight staff, and now we're 16. Wow. So it's, um, it's been, pretty, been a pretty wild ride so far. Well, was there a particular craft beer that started you on this journey? Was there something that was, was there a beer that you can pick? Mr. Wu, that is a very great question. Um, I would say that the range from Tuatara was really got me into it. There was like a tasting, I was a cheap student. I realized that a tasting paddle um, made a pint. If you measured it down to a pint, it was like a pint was like six bucks instead of 10. Um, and Tuatara Ardennes, this golden Belgium beer that blew my mind. And then very soon after that, Epic Pale Ale. Um, you've probably all heard of Epic going into liquidation over the last couple mm, of weeks. Yeah, sad news. Really sad. 
Um, we managed to go, we went to their tasting room on the last day they were open on Sunday. Oh. Uh, we actually back from Christchurch from the Brewers Guild Awards and taxied right to Epic with our suitcases and stuff and, and kind of cheers them for all the inspiration that they've had for us over the years. Um, so, yeah, we wouldn't be here without them. Um, yeah, they were kind of our, I'd say Epic and Tuatara were, were kind of like the, the giant's uh, shoulders that we, we stand upon. Mm-hmm. Tuatara was such a fantastic brewery. It's funny, here in Australia, we didn't always see their beers arrive in the best of Nick um, compared to, I'm sure, what they would have been like fresh uh, over there. But they were such a legendary brewery, um, you know, back in the day, just the, the presentation of them, the range of styles that they did, um, really quite magnificent and groundbreaking. Yeah. Keep us going on that journey, Mr. Wu. I mean, when you, I mean, I guess the question is, uh, having given you the ball, Mr. Wu, I'm going to snatch it back and say, you know, (laughs) lessons learned along the way. There's obviously lessons you learn in those first stages, but in the last couple of years, sort of post-COVID, what have you sort of learned out of that experience? Have there been sort of things that now you sort of see bits of the puzzle falling into place? You know, how does it all feel like? Uh, I lost reception for a second. Do you want to repeat that real quick? I am happy to do so. You're obviously moving in that. I'm sort of saying, you know, what, what lessons, I think last time you were on, you know, we talk about what lessons you learn when you move from being a home brewer to being a, to running a brewery. But now that you're scaling up on the, in the way that you are, are there sort of lessons you've learned recently or reflections you've had recently as you've sort of reached this next level? Every day there is a new lesson. <laughs> it is indeed a school day. Um, yeah. What was today's lesson? What have you learnt today in your travels through the world? Uh, um, to not double book yourself um, in different countries for tastings. Um, but, <laughs> um, no, uh, shit, today. What have I learnt today? It's been a long day. I can't really remember. I'll probably remember tomorrow. But um, with the economic situation, and I know Australia is very much in a similar boat than we are, you know, our excise tax has gone up another 6.65% this year. It was very similar last year. Um, in a space where consumers won't pay more for beer because everyone's hurting as well. So everyone's getting tightened. Like malt's gone up 30-something percent. Packaging's gone up 40%. Um, freight's gone up. The only thing that hasn't gone up is hops because when craft beer is in trouble, there's nowhere else for those hops to go. So it's one thing that we do okay on. Uh, but it's, it's one little piece of the puzzle that we try and grab onto. Um, but, yeah, it's just we've learned to pivot. I mean, we've been good at pivoting since COVID. We opened both. Our first two pubs were open three weeks before a lockdown, respectively. So we've always had to pivot. Um, but, yeah, we're just learning more and more. We're learning to diversify. Like, you know, we're, a big, we're in nearly every supermarket in New Zealand. Um, and just about to go into 930-odd cold stores in Australia, which is exciting. Um, and, yeah, and, and some other co- really cool things into more Indies in, in Australia. And, and openings pubs, we're just learning how to diversify and how to not be reliant on one thing. Because if one thing falls over and everything falls over, we, don't, we just don't want to be in that position. We've worked way too hard, and we have a lot of people depending on us. We have you know, 60 employees, 1,200 shareholders, um, you know, we're out there working really hard for everyone to make sure that we can be a fun and sustainable company that, you know, 
makes the world a little bit better with some good beer. I reckon that's a really good point to take a small pause and clean our glasses and come up with our final beer, which is the super special fancy Ruaka. Well, here we are. We're back for the second part of our interview here with Andrew Charles, founder and co-CEO of Behemoth Brewing. We live in a funny old world, Mr Warren Wu. Here we are in Melbourne, Australia, and all around Australia, drinking delicious beers made in New Zealand. And Andrew is over in New Zealand drinking a delicious beer made in Melbourne. What, what strange times. Very strange. It's, it's, it's the um, globalisation of, uh, of the world that we live in right now. Hmm. So it wasn't really on our question sheet. We're about to get tucked into uh, a very special beer, but tell us a little bit about the beer that's in your hand at the moment and what beers are being produced in Melbourne. So this is Pop Geek IPA, which is um, it's kind of a good thing about... So we're brewing our core range um, in, in Hawkers in Melbourne. So all of the all the brand-new beers, which is multiple per month um, that we produce in, in, in Auckland, it's being shipped over to Australia. But we're doing a few core beers um, in Melbourne, Hawkers. So uh, the, the main one we're doing is, is Brain Smiles, um, Hazy Pale Ale, which is the one that won Gab's Hollis 100 Kiwi Beers. Uh, which will soon be in most coals around Australia, um, 930-odd stores, which is very exciting. And this is the second one that we're pretty much just selling to indie places in, in Australia at the moment, Hop Geek IPA, 6.2% IPA, um, Cryo Mosaic, Cryo um, Simcoe, and Eldorado hops. Um, it's definitely it's, – it's a West Coast IPA, but it's unfiltered, so it's not a hazy. It's definitely got that bitterness of a West Coast IPA. Uh, and then the third beer that we will brew is Music City Hazy IPA, which just won Champion Hazy of New Zealand in the weekend. Uh, that'll be our third beer that we we brew over. Um, we make sure I've been there for every brew, signing off every beer, um, and we import our own yeast over that not many uh, yeast strain that no one, well, very few people use in Australia to make sure that the beers are tasting um, how we want them to be tasting if they were brewed in New Zealand. I was going to ask how you get the yeast from one side of the ditch to the other. I'm not going to ask that question. I'm going to ask a different question, which is, am I right in saying uh, people who listen to the podcast won't be able to see the format size of that beer there, but we're not talking a 440 mil can, we're talking a 365, 375 mil can? Well, don't hate me, but New Zealand size with 330. Um, so, but that's kind of price point kind of reflects that as well. We wanted to make sure it was kind of very... Um, very very approachable um and you know we didn't have the price of an imported like you know um you know we know our beers aren't the cheapest that come from new zealand but there's a lot of water it's an expensive piece of water um um yeah so it's um it's it's really fun um to be able to do that on the other side of the ditch but um yeah it's in four packs and slabs so 16 pack slabs into four packs um in australia so it's only kind of just starting to hit the market um now and um yeah, excited to be able to just get into more Aussie's hands. Um, James has got a question, uh, and normally we leave a lot of these for the audience question time, but James has already got an audience question, so I'll just ask his one now. How does the water differ from Auckland to Melbourne? Is this consideration when you're asking hawkers to brew your beers? Do they, do they just completely dismantle the water and start again? Yeah, I mean, you've already answered my question for me. It would just be the same if I was in Berlin or Dublin or anything. Like, we completely 
uh, like take our, all of our water that we use mm. down to nothing and get back in what we want to in terms of calcium chlorides and sulfates and stuff to get the water profile to suit the style of beer that we want. So um, as long as as long as the filtration is good enough, and um, if you go to Hawker's Brewery, they've got an amazing setup there. It's pretty incredible. Um, it's it's more advanced than our brewery, that's for sure. Um, got a wider audience that they look after. Um, yeah, it's you're stripping it back to nothing and, and, and getting that water profile where you want it to be. Is Melbourne's water better anyway than Auckland's? No, oh. it's not. <laughs> Are you sure? It's no, it's... Different. I mean, how many sources does Melbourne's water come from? It's got to be a lot. I would say Melbourne's water would be very different from one end of the city to the other. Yeah, which is um, we won't go into my old my old life working for Melbourne Water. I, oh, I was say, surprised. Isn't I could just the rabbit hole we would we yeah, just avoid it would be horrific. And we would ever. lose all of our one listener. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about let's let's and get back. That's when we need custom. We, we need our regular about. Melbourne Water person on the show. So we, we, we're without him tonight. So. We'll do a special water special with him one night. We should do. We should be hilarious. Um, well, let's talk about the super, the super special fancy ruwaka. Oh, I butchered that, haven't I? Um, well, you're, you're, and you're going to be in charge of saying it for the rest of tonight. Yeah, we should. That'd be that'd be terrible. In fact, I'll answer your question. What is? Yeah, what is? Yeah, give us a little bit of the tasting tour of this. It's completely different to the other hazies that we've just drank. So different. So mm. Rewak is always a very distinct hop, passion fruity, yeah. classic New Zealand diesel character. But this is a hybrid Rewaka that just tasted very different than all the different other Rewakas. So they just gave us a bit to play with. Um, and so we decided to call it Super Fancy Special. Yeah. I don't even um, Because it was quite different than all the other Rewaka and we just had to play with it. Um and that's the kind of experimentation we get to do with, like, because, I mean, that's why we do hop selection is because one row and one farm will taste different than another. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to play with separate rows and separate blocks and separate farms, you always get something different. But this one was so different that they, they actually call it special rewaka. Um, and I think there's only a couple of hundred kilos of it made um, out of, like, a, a, a crop that would usually have, you know, 30 tonne. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, they just said, Jay, yeah, do you want to have a play around with us? And we're like, we gave it a sniff and we went, oh, yeah, this is pretty fun. And we did. So it's definitely a lot more, it's got a lot more like white wine gum character than your average rewaka. It's quite, a, it's very different than your average rewaka. And to be fair, you wouldn't get a lot of rewaka hopped beers in Australia necessarily. Yeah. Um, they export rewaka now. Um, the Americans, they've actually, and New Zealand's actually started, it's a very expensive hop. It's a terrible yielding hop, so hop farmers hate it because they'll only get like 60% of what they would from the same plants of, say, Nelson Sovin or something. Um, yeah, Trillium would all over in Boston. Though, yeah, the, um, a lot of the big hazy breweries in America have really gone into it because it's so unique. Um, so you, you definitely, I think there's probably way more in like five breweries and um, well, maybe two or three breweries in the States probably use more of it than all of Australia. Um but yeah, it's a it's a classic New Zealand hop. Um, Emerson's Pilsner used to be all organic rewaka, um, and then they got so big that they couldn't get that anymore, and now they don't use it at all because they couldn't get enough. Um, oh. I had a really bad burn 
um, accident. Um, and in my recovery from that, the ex-CEO of New Zealand hopped ring up and goes, anything I can do for you personally or professionally, let me know. I said, 200 kg of rewaka because I had no <laughs> allegations at that time. I was like, I've got to take the bright side. I'm laying in hospital. I'm like, mm-hmm. at least I can rewaka. <laughs> I find this one fascinating. You said you said sort of wine gum and so forth. For me, it's almost verging on nectary. Uh, there's these sort of almost uh, flower flavours, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, I think it's... And, and over the last kind of month or two, it's definitely, like, probably developed in the can and, like, it's always evolving. I mean, you don't want it to evolve too much, much more than the next few months. Um, but, like, it's really interesting, like at one, two, three months where the beer's still really good, but they the, the expression kind of changes as, like, different compounds within those hops kind of, like, go up and down. Um, with your super special fancy Uwaka, the, the, the hop itself, um, yeah. what were they... Do, do you know a little bit of the history about that? Do you know if they were trying to make a hybrid to, to increase... The yield. What were they? What were they trying to do? The Captain America of Rewaka. Yeah, yeah. I think there has been some work to try and increase the yields, but I don't. I can't say that this was the reason. Mm -hmm. As far as I'm told, some of the one of the hot farmers just went around. This one's different than the other one. (laughs) Was it and it's the row sitting next to something else that Sabro. I mean, there might have been a little bit of um, cross-pollination going on, uh, a little bit of friskiness happening in the hot, hot fields between mm-hmm. um, um, the tripods and um, between um, different families of the Cannabisia family. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, just a, it's just a really different expression, um, and we just thought that was a bit fun. You know, Rewaka has always been a really, yeah, it's probably been nearly destroyed a few times because of how much hot farmers hate it, but... There's always been a few craft brewing companies that just go, wow, we really love this flavor profile. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to know the coolest name for a Rewaka beer? It's not ours. Um, there is a brewery in San Francisco, and why am I blanking? It's a really good one. Someone will be able to say it, but they've got a beer called Christopher Rewakan. Oh, that is quality. It is good. Yeah. I'm yeah. jealous over that. I, thought, I wish I'd come up with that one. I can just see all of the people in the Zoom room. I can just see all of their screens have just lit up as they're all off Googling hard at the moment. Uh, we'll give a little shout-out to whoever types it into the chat first. So, um, uh, Let's do a traditional call room question. While yeah, while rescue me, this. Warren. <laughs> while we um, in your new uh, In your expansion, um, did you get a new piece of quit, the kit that you really love? What's your favourite piece of brewing kit? What, do you, what really turns you up? Oh, this is quite recent. I mean, I love our centrifuge, our awful of our Brew 250. Um, decreases our time and tank, um, increases our yield, um, clarifies, better for stability. But my real favourite is something that costs nowhere near as much as that. Um, it's our Hopnik, um, which we dose um, hot pellets into, uh, and it pulverises them and recirculates them through um, tanks. So... We um, we don't have to use quite so many hops to get an even better um, profile out of the beer. So a little bit less wow. hops goes a, long, a longer way, um, and it means that our brew team don't need to climb ladders to, to drop hops into the top for dry hopping and stuff. So for health and safety, it's better. It's better for hop utilisation, and it's better for the quality of the beer. Um, 
it's sexy. I love it. Yeah, that sounds great. It's it's a very it's a very business owner co CEO answer too. It's like something that creates efficiencies in the system is the yeah, and yeah, the beers taste better and yeah, it yeah, tastes yeah, better. Yeah. It just it's just really 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 cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I mean, yeah, I, I wear many many hats, and um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's just a really cool piece of kit, and it's really well made piece of technology. How much more efficient does it make? So, how much less hops do you have? To, do you get using it? About twenty percent. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, that's great. And no one has to climb ladders to throw yep. in. Uh, so it's Cellar master's correct. Um, cellar maker, sorry, cellar maker brewing. The Christopher Ree Walken. Yeah. Excellent. There you go. Um, let's do the other cool room question. Um, and I think I can't remember. I can't remember Andrew's answer last time. But uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Um, that was because it was during COVID, Warren, and no one remembers what was happening back then. Yeah, that is quite true. That's quite true. Um, what's the craziest, stupidest, smelliest, most explosive thing you've seen in a cool room, Andrew? And of course, by cool room, we we're we're quite broad with our definition. So any brewing or hospitality type thing. Obviously, you can dob in your own, but you can all. It's more fun to dob in someone else's. Okay, there is a story that I will not name the two breweries involved. There is a a tap uh, tap room that has a small brewery. It's a small it's a brew, small brew pub somewhere in New Zealand. That a brewer from another brewery came in there. They don't actually brew any beer, and here's all for show. Sitting there, had a few beers. Opened up the tank, thinking, like, there's nothing in here. Look, it's just for show. Look at this. Boom! 1,200. Yeah. All over said brewery. And the person worked for another very high-profile brewery. Um, that was the one who opened it. Um, and it flooded that entire brew pub. Wow. And the other brewer was fired, and then there were legal disputes over that, I believe. Uh, uh, but that happened, and that's the craziest thing I've heard of in New Zealand. Um, oh, that's a ripper. That's I reckon that's top ten very easily, Mr Warren. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I reckon it's also the kind of thing that we will talk more about once we, uh, once we turn the recording off and make sure that we've signalled with our giant semaphore flags that there is no more recording going on. That's one of the great things that happens if you join us live in the Zoom room on a Thursday night. We always say that we love the fact that people can uh, have those kind of chats that we don't record. And, of course, we love the fact that people um, can come into the Zoom room and ask their audience questions direct to the brewers while we chat about the beers that are in front of them. Uh, to my screen, Andrew has frozen on so I'm just keeping on talking in the meantime. There he is. He's no longer frozen. That's fantastic. Uh, and I'm going to get James, who has been typing many, many sensible questions uh, into the chat on the way. James, you get one question tonight for the moment, brother. What question would you like to ask? I know it's a little out of character to be sensible, David, but thank you. <laughs> and thank you to Andrew, too. It's, it's been super fun to hear, hear more about what's happening. Um, I 
for one will be at Diavana next week. And I wondered if you'll be there. You will? We will. And, you can also um, visit and what should I look out to... for? He will be there for at least both morning sessions. Yeah, I'll be there at least the morning sessions, I think. Uh, but yeah, definitely I'll be spending a bit of time at our bar uh, in Willis Lane on corner of Willis Street and Lambda Key um, in Wellington. Um, I wondered where it was, and I'm looking forward to checking it out because we're staying right near there. So that's good yeah, news. Cool. We're right next to Bulgot Street Bistro, so not far away. Oh, no. Beautiful restaurant, by the way, as well. Um, so uh, what do we got? Because we, we turned 10, we're doing a Back to the Future where we're like celebrating our best beers from the last 10 years. Um, so it's kind oh. of an amalgamation of um, we got people on, on social media to vote for their favourites and we want to bring back. Um, and then I'll give away, we are doing a Back to the Future-themed beer at the same time as well. I saw your, your pairing is the Doc and Marty. Doc and Marty. The Doc and Marty, that's our latest hot buddies of the series. Um, that is brilliant. But unfortunately, with um, how the economy is, we couldn't afford to get a DeLorean in to be a Varna, unfortunately. But um, I blame the economy, uh, market forces, and solar flares. <laughs> Do you know one of my wife's schoolmates has a uh, has a DeLorean? Uh, That's fucking. <laughs> it's incredible. Like you, you just, yeah. He's yeah. Shout out to Chris, who is basically the Google of Kyabram in Central Victoria. <laughs> he's and he, he he spends. He works very hard, but he also enjoys the 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 great things about life. And he has a DeLorean in his garage. It's amazing. I know we're going down the rabbit hole now, Warren, but when you uttered the beginning of that sentence and I, I listened as far as one of my wives, and at that oh. point I started to get concerned about where things were going, but one of your wife's friends. Look, I'll tell you friends. what, if if I'll take an extra wife if she owns a DeLorean. That's, <laughs> I think that's a rule I can live by. That's a rule I'm happy to, to advertise. Andrew, sell... That does sound quite like... Uh, sounds exhausting. Sell Bivana for Bivana for people who've never been before. I've never been. Like, what's it like? What What are you looking forward to apart from your own stand and your own beers this year? What's going to be sort of the reason why people from Australia should be getting on the plane and coming over? It's really, really fun. Like, people put in a lot of effort um, in at Bivana. They really go that extra mile um, just to create more of an atmosphere and more of a festival vibe. I'm I think without, I mean, I love Gab's Melbourne as, as one of the best festivals in the world. Um, really loved being back there this year. But, and I think they've probably gone a little more, like the themes are really themey. Like there's really like fun, um, you know, there's silent discos, there's like, you know, like breweries doing it, not just the, the, the event doesn't put on a lot of these things. Like it's the breweries who put on their own things like karaoke and like, you know, we have in the past done things like, a Willy Wonka thing where we gave out treats with uh, different, you know, different beers, and it's just everyone, you know, it's a big, it's a big thing for the New Zealand brewing industry, and it is, you know, a, a huge amount of Australians come over for it, and it's awesome. Um, I think One Drop's got a stand um, this year. Uh, Bevana is like kind of a guest international brewery. Um, it's just really cool, um, and I think at least one out of the four sessions already sold out. Maybe I think two might have sold out today. Um, yeah, it's 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 a good time, and Wellington's a good beer city. Um, although you should like go to Auckland, then go to Wellington, you know, because Auckland, you know, 
we've got a lot of cool shit going on too. Um, but no, it's it is it's it is, it's a fun time. Awesome. Look, we've got another another <laughs> audience question lined up from Shana. Shana, this picks up on some of our earlier chats about the branding and so forth, uh, which is great because we probably haven't discussed as much as we should have some of the branding of the other beers we've had, both in the pack and uh, the ones we've been drinking tonight. It does. It's also, if we listen to previous episodes, been a bit of a, a bit of a theme recently. There's been some people that are pretty, pretty into their references with pop culture. So I was just wondering, Andrew, you obviously like a pop culture reference, especially a bit of a controversial, cheeky one. Do you go to a lot of effort to ensure that no one's done that before? Like, it, when you come up with a really good one, do you want to make sure you're the first ones to do it? We try to. Sometimes it's hard with um, American breweries because, like, you know, there's 9,000 American breweries and sometimes if you look at it and it's, like, somewhere in, like, a small town in Michigan they've done the same name, we'll be like, oh, someone's done it before. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's okay. Um, but it's always ones that I've come up with and I've checked and I'm like, son of a... Oh, well, we're still going to do it. <laughs> Because, um, you know, there's only so in the world, but, like, um, there's some crazy ones that I come up with, and I can't believe that no one else has come up with it. Like, I look in there, I was like, no one's done this? Wow, awesome. There, I couldn't believe any... something. So I was going to ask, is there could... anything you're particularly proud of, any that you were particularly happy to see that no one else has grabbed before? I mean, there's there's I mean, there's quite a few, um, but there's some random ones. Um, like, we did, like, can you smell what the hop is brewing? I was like, how's no one done it? Can you smell like what the hop is brewing? Come on. Absolutely. Um, and like, no, there's, there's heaps. I mean, if you're bored and a real beer geek, just look through our untapped list. <laughs> and, and, um, and uh, yeah, we've, we've done some do's. I mean, the amount, if you type in behemoth hop, that's not going to narrow things down much because we've, <laughs> we've, we've really gone gone hammer and tongs at the um at the word hop into oh no okay my the one i'm most proud of uh is the longest one we've ever done the longest name we've ever done um Chile, uh cultural learnings to make great uh cultural learnings of america to make great glorious nation of new zealand <laughs> What I what I'd love to see is you know that really long train station name in Wales, you know just ex, you know, just inserting the word hop somewhere in that and just really claiming the largest single word uh, beer name ever. So I might do that one. That sounds good. Thank you. I appreciate that suggestion. You can, you can you can take that as an idea, and you can also never bother. Don't worry about telling me you never bothered to do it. I'll just I'll just wander around telling people that I gave you that idea and you did it. So don't ever disavow me of that of that particular feeling. Nice. I think it's time to call it an evening and thank Andrew for his for the brilliant time, the wonderful stories, the great beer that he shared with us. So yeah, thanks thanks a lot, Andrew. Um, what is the best place to find uh, Behemoth Brewing if someone's looking in Australia or anywhere in the world? We've got more than most. Australia, you, you'll be able to find uh, Brain Smiles and all Liquor Lands, um, Vinger Cellars, and the other one. First choice, First choice Liquor. Oh, yeah. um, 
like indie indie bottle stores, um, we're getting into more and more. We've got our our man Sean pounding the streets every day, and we're getting into into new stores every day. Um, Melbourne, you know, has the population of New Zealand, uh, let alone the other parts of Australia. So we're getting there slowly but surely. Um, I mean, I'm coming and doing events in the Gold Coast, um, Gold Coast Got Beer Festival in September. We're doing, um, in, and then we're in WA in November, um, and we've been doing a bunch of events in and out of um, kind of Sydney and Melbourne. Um, Melbourne, uh, the catfish is always a good time, to, and, and they quite often have our beer in, and few other places i did a two-day tap takeover at hotel sweeney's in sydney and that was pretty insane um yeah like we're just getting more and more in and around the place and we plan to be at all the gabs festivals next year um but yeah keep an eye out for us uh, keep an eye out for Chile crafted festival in, in in the gold coast in september um but yeah no um you'll definitely be seeing more and more of us around um so yeah keep an eye out awesome Thanks, Andrew. Uh, have a great night. And, um, yeah, look forward to talking to you again in another 120 episodes. Or maybe before. Who knows? <laughs>